0: Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week, I'm joined by Lindsay Cunningham, co-founder and CEO of Rolling Greens, a plant-based food company focused on chef-driven recipes and honest, real ingredients. None of that fake stuff. Every Rolling Greens item not only tastes great, but is good for you and the planet. Lindsay and her husband Ryan launched Rolling Greens in 2011, first as a food truck and then on retail shelves. In this episode, Lindsay shares about her journey from her Boulder food truck to getting in the freezer section of Whole Foods Market and now pivoting to shelf-stable products. We chat about the importance of pivoting your business how Shark Tank and QVC played a key role in growing her brand, saying no and knowing and respecting your boundaries to feel your best, and how Rolling Greens is the future of plant-based food. I had so much fun catching up with Lindsay. Keep listening for some great inspiration and tips. Oh, and if you wanna try their delicious products, which you definitely should, use code PURELYROLLINGGREENS for 20% off on rollinggreens.com. That's p-u-r-e-l-y-r-o-l-l-i-n-g-r-e-e-n-s for 20% off. All right, let's get to the episode. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. It's so much fun to have you on and in full transparency to our community, Lindsay and I are great friends we were just chatting before this. It's Friday. We're headed to really good sushi tonight. So we're very excited to kick, to kick off the day.
1: <laughs> yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and I'm so proud of you and everything you've done in your podcast. It's so exciting.
0: Thank you. Well, as I was thinking about it, I was trying to remember how we first met. Do you remember? You know, I I believe it was just around the Boulder community and you know what? I
1: actually, I believe I asked you to coffee because I wanted to pick your brain. I was early in the industry and you were somebody I totally looked up to and loved what you were doing and your brand. And I asked you to coffee and we totally hit it off. We are cut from the same cloth with so much in common. So it was, that was the start. And that was probably like five years ago, four or five years ago
0: yeah probably so. So I've been in Boulder now for seven years. Lindsay is from Boulder, and we always joke that she knows everybody in this town. She is a great connector, and so you guys really your own green story has a rich history in Boulder and all of that. So I'd love to dive in to kind of the backstory of the food truck and all of that,
1: yeah. So yeah, our legacy started in Boulder in 1980. So the Cunningham family, which is my husband's family, Ryan, his family had Boulder, Colorado's first organic food truck in 1980. They had three kids and actually got pregnant with Ryan. And they were like, we can't do this anymore. (laughs) Um, So they went on to have other careers. His mom started the plant-based culinary school for the last 35 years. So a pioneer in her own right. And his father went on to be one of the largest homeopathic doctors. And so it's very fitting fast forward to 2010, late 2010, we wanted to start a restaurant and it was right as the food truck craze was happening. And we were like, why don't we just start a food truck? And with Ryan's culinary background and design and architecture, he started designing and building our first food truck. And it wasn't until then that we had his parents come by and we learned about the family legacy nearly 35 years prior. So it was really serendipitous. We took back the name Rolling Greens. We became a farmer's market staple, did hundreds of weddings and events a year. And yeah, that's kind of how the the story began.
0: So I want to go to Ryan's parents for a second. Like, so they had the truck in 1980. They were so ahead of their time to have this organic food truck. What was, what were they doing? Do you, do you know?
1: You know, they have a macrobiotic background. So they were in that, they were pioneers, natural food pioneers. And that's where they met in Minnesota studying that. And they made the move to um, Boulder, Colorado. And I don't know what year, maybe 1975 and, you know, I don't really know what sparked the food truck idea, but I do know that they loved to cook. His mom would, would cook all the food and his dad would go out and sell all the products. So it's very fitting that Ryan was the one to bring it back to life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And so Ryan's background, we should have had Ryan on today, but quickly on Ryan's background, because that plays obviously such a big part into the story too.
1: Yeah. So he is a trained chef.
0: On- oh, wow, that step back. You guys went to high school together? <laughs>
1: Yes, we our families actually grew up together in Boulder, Colorado. His my sisters were friends with his brothers, but we didn't meet until later on in college and we were both home from Santa Barbara and we kind of, you know, he courted me, we kind of fell in love very quickly and we're just soulmates and we have the same interests and he went to culinary school and then was a trained chef and he worked at one of LA's hottest restaurants, top 100 restaurants. He was a personal chef for over a decade. And then that's when we just said we wanted to start a restaurant, and then the food truck kind of interest sparked, and that's where we landed.
0: Okay, so we get to the food truck. You're at the Boulder Farmer's Market, which is an amazing farmer's market if anyone comes to Boulder to visit. And then how did you end up going from... Hey, we're in the food truck, which is so exhausting. Uh, And I've heard those stories of you guys just working so, so incredibly hard every single day on your feet to, hey, let's get into the CPG space and into stores. You know,
1: I would say looking at it, it was a natural progression. But yes, we worked hundred hour a week, seven days a week. It was all about the customer, all day, every day. We put out the best quality, local, organic food, and really got to know our farmers, which plays a big role, kind of, in what we do today. But people would line around the corner for hours waiting on Chef Coast food, and so it kind of sparked interest in CPG. I always would walk the aisles. I'm kind of that geek that walks the aisles in a store, and Likes to try the newest things, and I always envisioned having a product, but it didn't come to life until I said, "Why don't we take the millet tots to market?" But it was really sparked by somebody. We were working the food truck one day, and a Whole Foods buyer came by, and he wanted to put us in 30 hot bars at the Whole in Whole Foods, and that was like the aha moment of, "Wow, we're killing ourselves practically doing this business, but we love it. How do we scale it, and how do we reach more consumers?" And that's what we did.
0: So you got into Whole Foods, Rocky Mountain region to start. What were those next steps? Yeah, so I walked into Whole Foods
1: Pearl with a Ziploc baggie that said bake at 375 <laughs> 50 minutes or until crispy. So that is how we just started, right? We didn't think about all the you things.
0: We- you can still do that today. Like, because oh, that's kind of what we did too, that it was like that easy that you would just show up with something that, you would never, I don't
1: know. Exactly. I think that there's a certain level. I think that it can be done, but realistically, you know, they're all on these national review cycles. They right. do it once a year. So maybe on the natural side, I think there's some of that, but no. It was a very unique time period and things have drastically changed.
0: Yeah, totally. So, so, so it, you know, we, we did the, you know, went
1: there and the buyer just loved it. The millet tots were unique. They sold a void on the shelves, this white stays. And then Alfalfa, Lucky Market, those were kind of the first to to come on board. And then the buying pattern was pretty easy like that as far as it just filled a need. It was unique. So that's why I always tell people when they want to go with an, another product that exists, it's always best to have a unique product because buyers want to see innovation.
0: Totally. Totally. So let's get into a little bit about product and starting with really like what your mission at Rolling Greens is. Our mission it hasn't really changed, but a little
1: bit and from food truck to obviously CPG, but rolling greens um, is to create the best tasting plant-based foods made with real, whole, simple ingredients. And we want to inspire and empower consumers to fuel their busy lives. We all are very busy and to do that with great, nutritious food. And amazing tasting.
0: <laughs> amazing tasting. First, it has to taste good because if it doesn't, don't do it. Absolutely. So Militats were certainly your first product. And then I know that you've had some incredible products since then and have recently made a bit of a pivot. So let's talk about that because I think that's such an important lesson and learning along this journey. For sure. I mean, it's just such a big
1: evolution from food truck to consumer packaged goods into frozen. We didn't know what we were doing. And we just wanted to create amazing products. And we started with the millet tots. And then in 2019, we launched our crispy cauliflower wings and we saw a lot of success. But then through the pandemic, through many curveballs, and with rising costs, labor being issue, manufacturing, distribution was a nightmare. All of these costs were rising. And we had developed a shelf-stable product, our plant-based meat line, and that was just taking off direct to consumer And so we said, you know what, this is the time to pivot if there was ever a time and let's pivot our whole brand to shelf stable. And that's an ambient item. So about a month ago, we discontinued, it's probably going to be news to everybody, but we discontinued our millet tots, our flagship product and our cauliflower wings. And we're kind of pivoting into shelf stable, which by far is the best decision we've ever made.
0: I'm so excited for you. I think that, well, all your products are amazing, but I'm totally in love with the taco meats and all the other ones that you haven't launched yet that I've tasted and heard about. But I think it's just such an important lesson. And we went through the same thing where your original product doesn't end up becoming what your product later on is. I mean, we started with baking mixes and had we not pivoted, we probably wouldn't be in business. And so I know that it was not easy. And if you have any tips of like sharing about that, because it's not easy getting rid of what you think is like your baby and how to evolve from that initial idea.
1: For sure. And I'm like, I think a lot of people, they're scared for the change. Change is hard and it doesn't come easy. And so Ryan and I are good at
0: change and pivoting and that's what we did. And I think trusting your gut and Like finding what works too, because you were seeing, I think it's like paying attention that you're like, Hey, this thing is selling so well over here. For sure. And
1: if you're not growing and evolving, you're dying, you're stagnant. Right. And so it's just, it's just a lesson to just trust your gut, uh, listen to consumers, listen to yourself and see what's best for the bottom line as well. We've always been so focused on the consumer customer service, you know, like, tmi but i would be in the food truck for like eight hours and i i would like have to pee so bad and i wouldn't go because i just (laughs) want to get food out the fat the best food out to the consumers it's all about the customer but at some point you you have to make money and if you can't make money you can't do all the things you want to do like change the world and help the food system and better the planet like you just can't do both so at some point you got to focus on the bottom line and creating products that are sustainable, not only for the planet, but your bottom line.
0: That's such a good lesson. So as you're saying, I think even just stepping back to you initially getting into Frozen, like it's hard enough to get into the food industry, not knowing anything to begin with. And like I think back for us getting in with muffin mixes was like super easy because it was a mix. You didn't have to cook it. Like you just had to mix flowers and seeds and all of that. So then the challenge of getting into Frozen without knowing very much at all is a pretty big deal. And I would love for you to share tips because I think of all the people that I know in the industry or out, like you are the type of person that really doesn't take no for an answer and that you're really like, you will ask anyone anything. You're not afraid at all. Have you always been like that and like any great tips that you have, if that's not natural for you to to get into that zone?
1: Yeah, I feel like Ryan and I both just have this drive inside of us. It's like you can't, you're born with it. You know, you you're either born with it or you're not. I think you could learn it, but it's the persistence, it's the passion, and we believe in ourselves. And I think we've always had the same mission in providing the best quality food. And it's like, we look at our food system today and it's so flawed. Right. And it's like, we, we, we just always want to better, not only ourselves, but our products for the customer. So, um, I feel like, you know, when we got into frozen, it was so challenging because the cooking process was relied on people, right? Yeah. That's really hard. People are not empowered or they they didn't go to culinary school, or they don't know how to cook. Whatever it is, we wanted to. That's another thing with the the uh, plant-based meat line is it's it's bulletproof, right? It's just like you add water, you add a little olive oil, you add the you know the meat, and within seven to ten minutes you have taco meat, and it's all you have to worry about is your taco shells or your salad, you know, your lettuce or whatever it is. So creating easier products like that where it takes a lot of the guesswork out, I think, is really important. But I just think it's this drive and it, it's. You know, I went to journalism school and I'm that's like I'm an I'm an investigative reporter, you know, (laughs) down, you know, really deep down. So I don't know. I just think it's I was born this way.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you got. Yeah. No, you you do such a great job of just like I think it's it's that. You might not know any, like, we all didn't know anything, but you have to, like, investigate and do the research and you just, like, figure it out because you're so driven to get the answer and to move forward and to do it. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So jumping back into product and me, I would love to talk a little bit about what that product is, where it's going, and then a little bit about the R&D process because, Ryan does not just put together a couple of ingredients, tries it once or twice and calls it a day. I mean, he is so laser focused and it's an incredible process.
1: Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that. And, you know, I'll start with Chef Ko because he is our visionary. He is a creator. And yeah, you talk, you know, it's not two or three recipes. This is hundreds and sometimes thousands of goes at it to make this perfect. It's all about the taste, the texture, but really like his process is we're we're constantly inspired by our travels and our upbringing. And we always want to do things differently, but Chef Co, he uses nutrition. He uses great food. He like a combination of food, safety, environment. These are all factors in the planet that play a role in his process. So our new meat line is, um, it's our plant-based meat line. We have eight SKUs. Um, two are launched today, and the rest will be coming out this year. But I'll start with our ground taco. I'll just talk about the ones that are out now. Our ground taco—it's soy-free, dairy-free, gluten-free. There's only ten ingredients. All ingredients you know, love, can pronounce. We're talking some pinto beans, peas, cumin, sea salt, garlic—all ingredients you know and love. Each pack replaces over one pound of ground beef. It has over sixty grams of protein per pack, and it is ready in under 10 minutes you have dinner for the family in under 10 minutes so I love this line our our latest product is spicy chorizo which is so fun and versatile these products you could put in anything and then the rest will be launching later this year
0: and they like truly taste like meat it's incredible
1: (laughs) from the taste the texture the smell like you would never know it's not meat nine out of ten people love this product We've never had the consumer feedback that we have out of any product like we have on this it
0: is it is a
1: game changer
0: it it and I think what's like so refreshing, especially right now, it feels like what's happening like plant based obviously is huge. It's a huge trend, but there's so many products on the market that are made with ingredients that I personally would never eat. Like I don't want any of that crap and no. All the, those fake ingredients. So I'm curious to hear where you think like plant-based is going and kind of talk a little bit about like where the trend is. Because certainly when you guys started, it was not, I mean, we were talking about plant-based, but like it's evolved so much.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a few layers to this and I feel like, you know, Ryan's parents, for example, that was plant-based 1.0, right? So this yeah. is not a trend. This is a lifestyle. This has been around for many years. And it's going to be around for many years to come. And I feel like some of the ingredients and brands that are out today, that's kind of plant-based 2.0. And I feel like rolling greens is 3.0. This is the future of food of what we're doing because we're creating amazing ingredients, taste, all of it together. um, And people can feel good about eating. But the category as a whole is about a $7 billion category, plant-based foods and rapidly growing. It was up 43%, which is nine times more than total food sales. Wow. Indication that this is definitely here to stay. It's not a trend.
0: Wow. Well, I think (laughs) (laughs) the more rolling greens the better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're not just stopping with
1: meat either. We have a lot of high protein snack concepts. Like we are here to stay. And it just because we pivoted from frozen to shelf stable doesn't mean we're not building a brand for the future.
0: So as you think about building the brand, I'd love to talk about two different big experiences of over the brand's history over the last two years, or now it's maybe been three years. But first starting with Shark Tank, which happened during COVID, or at least it aired during COVID, because we were yeah. barely seeing each other when we could watch it. We watched it over the Zoom is <laughs> actually how we have the Zoom party. So we have the Zoom party. Um <laughs> but that's that's share a little bit about your experience and how that you know helped or not helped to change the business.
1: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, Shark Tank is such a phenomenal platform and it was the brand awareness and really the exposure and the boost that we needed at the time we needed it. Like you're saying, this was in the middle of COVID. We had no direct to consumer business. This catapulted our direct to consumer business. So there's many things we could have a whole conversation about Shark Tank, but it was a once in a lifetime experience that I would recommend to anyone.
0: Is there any like particular recommendation that you would say for somebody, is it better to do it early on in the business, like at a different stage or any any tips around that? That's such a good question. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that question because I wish I could do it now.
1: If I were to do it today or like, or they had another segment, I think they used to have like Beyond the Tank or yeah. something where it's not just like a recap. It's a show about Having the people come back and where are you today? And like more than just a recap for 30 seconds. But if we would have gone in today with the business we have, we have a completely different business. We were in Frozen that had low margins. The sharks were worried about that. Today we're shelf stable. We have a booming direct to consumer business. We have an omni channel where we're in food service, we're QVC, we're in multiple channels and 4,000 stores throughout the US. So it's just, a completely different business than it was
0: then. Can you go and pitch it to be back on?
1: You know, it's funny because we've been thinking about that. We're like, what, should we do that again? Because it is really a different business than it was when we went on.
0: So I don't know, maybe, but- It might um, be an interesting twist for them because like, yeah, they they gave you some of that feedback and you're like, hey, actually we listened to this and now look.
1: Exactly, look where we are today. Yeah, I think that's such a great idea. But you know, we still air on CNBC, which is great it's phenomenal but everybody's going to our website to buy our frozen products and they're not there anymore so it's it's just a little
0: bit of a you know yeah, that's so interesting so as you were just saying, you also just mentioned qvc which has been huge for you guys how did you first think about getting on qvc and going that route and then what has that experience been for you
1: Yeah, a lot of people thought it was tied into Shark Tank and that they were like, guessing because we couldn't tell people who we got as a shark. And so everyone thought it was um, Lori
0: because she's the queen. I never even thought about that.
1: (laughs) But it just happened at the same time. It was just, it, it was just the timing. But, you know, I had reached out to a contact in the industry and asked them about convenience. I was looking to get into the convenience side of business. And she was like, you know what? You would be great on QVC. You need to talk to my broker. And so she introduced me to the broker. The broker like loved the concept. We flew to Philly. We pitched the buyers. They loved the products. And we launched. Lo- QVC loves our crispy cauliflower wings. That was the hero product. We won best plant based food award for that product. And really, QVC is such a magical place. It really is. Like you go there to the headquarters. You walk around. It's like everyone's happy and beautiful and smiley. And and we just love it. They've become family. And I think. QVC, the possibilities are endless if your product does well. This month will air five times. So it's Uh like you can go anywhere from multiple times a month to once a year. But if your product is well and you are accountable and you show up, you do the work, you're good on camera, the possibilities are endless. So I would say, you know, and they have millions of viewers every hour. And what other place can you sell hundreds of thousands of dollars of product in a matter of eight minutes?
0: Which is so nerve wracking. So I remember doing QVC way back in the day when I was living in New York and I'm from Philly. So I was like driving there. My mom would meet me anyway. And it was like, you had the seven minutes and they had the clock ticking and they were telling you in your ear, like, hey, you you have a hundred more units to sell or whatever it was. It was so nerve wracking.
1: <laughs> it, it's a lot. I think um, a little bit of my journalism days, like broadcast news was my sphere like what i focused on and so i i kind of grew up in front of the camera so i felt more comfortable but there's you have to train for qvc like this isn't just like going and doing an interview on right. you know cdf or whatever this is you have it's a different way so you actually do a training ryan and i did a two-day training and it's a, yeah. like you have to pass the test right the the test. Yeah, exactly and if you don't and it's so nerve-wracking i remember when we were doing the test after after you like take all the, the you know paperwork and test, you actually have to physically go to set and you, everybody is watching you in the class. Every All the producers, everyone's watching you. I froze. I, I couldn't say anything. I was like, wait, what? What did <laughs> I say? Like, I think I said I was selling chicken wings and I was selling cauliflower wings. Like, I don't even know what I said. And so anyway, we've come a long way, but I would say the blessing I think is that we got to do it over Skype or sorry, yeah, Skype. And we didn't have to fly because normally when you were in studio, you had to fly there every single time you air. Right. So that's the blessing is we can do it in the comfort of our own home.
0: So for somebody who's listening, who might be interested in getting on QVC, what tips do you have? I guess A for like trying to get on in the first place, but then like, what do you think makes a successful product? Because obviously not everything sells on QVC.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess
0: some of it, Half of it's the product and half of it's you.
1: Yes. I think the combination is really big. The story, they want to connect with you. The consumers want to connect and they want new stuff, right? But it has to taste good because if it doesn't, they're not going to buy it again. Um, they might give it a try at first. You know, you had this rapport with the host, like before an airing, we talk on the phone and I give them new tips and we talk about it. And so it's like that is an element too. You know, I honestly don't know how to get on. I would say, I think you can apply. QVC also does searches just similar to like Shark Tank would go out and do a search, but you can apply and then email me and I'll try to see if my broker's interested in your product. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So over the years, as you have scaled and now changed so much of the business, what do you think has been some of, this will be a two-part question, the hardest parts and then- the most rewarding parts?
1: You know, obviously we talked about it, right? The hardest part was trying to build a successful brand at Frozen. Like it's tough. And I think what we did was the right move um, when we're talking about profitability, sustainability and more products um, that we could bring to market. So I would say that was probably, there's been many others, but I would say off the top of my head, that was probably the biggest lesson in learning curve, um, that it's all about margin. You've got to have the right margin to make it all work and be able to hire the experts. You know, we've done it ourselves. We're just now being able to hire experts and get real a real team in, and it is a complete game changer. I mean, the stress load is so much less when you have capable people that can do it. And we've done it all ourselves up until this year. And that's hard. That's not scalable. And I would say the best thing is 100% working with Ryan, my husband, the fact that we can work together live together, like all of it. It's, you know, I can't say that for many people. And we just, it's a great vibe and I love him. And the fact that I can do it with him is great.
0: You're it's incredible. I feel like, From the outside, you guys get along so well and are able to have both of those pieces of of business and personal, like so easily intertwined. Any tips for people who might be starting out working with their husband, boyfriend, et cetera, or even just family member? Because there are a lot of people who work with their mom, sibling.
1: You know, I think. We have a lot of commonalities in multiple ways, but the number one loves for us are rolling greens and each other. And I think when you start with that, it's like everything else kind of falls to the wayside. I mean, it has been challenging. I'm not going to lie. I mean, from the food truck where we were, it was hundred degrees or below zero, you know, we have worked in the worst, you know, (laughs) circumstances you could ever think of. And I just think we continue to change and evolve and we're growing together. That's the difference. Some people just don't grow together, right? right? And we're growing together. We want the same thing. So our alignment, but we work at it all the time and his strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. So our we complement each other. And at the end of the day, we couldn't do it without each other. We both leave each other in this business.
0: Well, I think it's also probably really helpful that your roles are very different. Like you're not both in the kitchen making the newest product. So that's probably- really beneficial to both kind of have your lanes.
1: Yeah. But you know, our lanes cross a lot. Right. You're and, like, ah, more salt than that. Take that out. Like, <laughs> like yeah, no. Um, no, but but we do we are we collaborate in so many ways. And I am actually in the kitchen with him. Not not to the level he is, but I'm tasting, I have to come in to think about, you know, new ideas, new ingredients. So I'm a part of that process and he knows everything that's going on in the business. So we definitely collaborate on all levels but you're right like he's focusing on what he's good at and i'm focusing what i'm good at
0: as you're talking about being in the kitchen again i want to ask how many renditions of the taco meat did you guys go through
1: i feel i have to ask him but i feel like it's close to like 350.
0: that's unbelievable
1: because what you know and you people think oh These are only the ingredients, but, you know, it's about where are you getting the ingredients? You know, our pea protein is all USA made and grown. It's a very unique pea protein. It's not like what's on the market or people getting it from overseas because it has this taste. It has a texture. It just has a smell. So if you're not getting quality ingredients, it's never going to taste the same. And then also Ryan is a great chef and wants everything to taste good and does make everything taste good. So you have a chef behind the brand, you know, we're not in lab coats, it's not an experiment. This is knowledgeable cooking and it's, it's, yeah, it's great work.
0: That's so good. So as you think about the experience over the last several years and growing the business, and now, as you were just saying, like it's, it's less stressful now that you have a team and all of that, I'm curious to hear for you personally, what you do to make yourself, I don't like to use the word balance because as, you know, like we, you can't be balanced when this is your own business, but what do you do to, I guess, feel your best and try to, and I would say, I think as your friend over the last like year, I've observed that you've had more boundaries, right? Like really knowing I need to do this to take care of myself and like let's not go out to dinner, that stay in, like things like that would be great to share as some tips.
1: That was, that's actually great because that i practiced so much, you know, COVID changed everything for everyone. Right. But I was social butterfly. I would go out, I would, you know, I was out three nights a week or four nights a week. And through the pandemic, I created a ton of anxiety for myself. And so I had to set boundaries and I'm a very sensitive, energetic person. And I, and I have to block, I have to actively try to block a lot of that energy because I take it on otherwise. So in doing that, I've created these boundaries. So I love that you said that because I have been working on it, but you're right. Like as an entrepreneur, like at least for me, there's not a lot of balance when you eat, live, breathe your business. Like it's not just a job for me. This is a, like, this is me. I feel like this is a lifestyle. This is like my limb on my body. I love it. It's not just a job. And so I- try to get quiet time i love the sun ryan and i we lay in the sun i'm wearing i wear sunblock now and i wear hats okay very and good then, um, <laughs> what's your favorite I sunblock love, um you know what i love the what is the elta i like elta uh-huh. yeah elta um we we use sun too what do you love
0: super goop super goop i need to try that it's so good it'd be good it's really um, good. And yeah. I had Amanda, and CEO on a couple months back, but so she really got me into some of their products that you apply to your face every day that are like kind of half makeup-y, half scent, or they are fully sunscreen, but also like provide some nice coverage. And so it's just a great way because I was never wearing sunscreen every day and now I am.
1: Totally. Because we're spending all this money on lasers and, and things to help <laughs> You know, counteract what the sun's doing to us. So now we're like, okay, let's wear blocks. But, you know, we have a sauna in the house. I love saunaing. And I feel like, you know, I try to cold plunge or finish cold, you know, for 30 seconds if I can handle it to a minute. Like it, it's a game changer, you know, like.
0: Do you sauna every day?
1: No, not every day. I feel like when I, if I do it too often, I can feel it. Like I just feel kind of drained. At least three times a week, I'll do it for at least 20 minutes but I, you know, the sweat and any kind of movement for us is, is great. I start every day with the grateful journal and I'm such a manifester and it really helps kind of like consolidate my thoughts, be practice gratitude every morning I wake up. And even if it's like for the same things, like I love my bed, my sleep, like just being in that state of gratefulness, I think it, it ripples throughout the day and just spreads kind of that, that love and, not only for yourself, but for others, and I also think there's, you know, there's a area down below that says, you know, list all the things about yourself, and, you know, it's important to love yourself and to practice and tell your, yourself that you're capable and you're loving and all the things that you know that you are, and then you can help teach others.
0: So, are there other manifesting things that you do to beyond that? Um.
1: Yes. That's
0: <laughs> Brian, what don't get.
1: Ryan like don't get into this this might be a little too personal but I don't think it is I mean I feel like you know through the pandemic with anxiety I had to do something right like i'm I'm more Eastern medicine and you know remedies and supplements and things like that like I didn't want to go to drugs western medicine drugs to help with my anxiety so I had to do something and talk therapy doesn't really work for me I mean it's okay every once in a while but I don't want to steal all my problems. And then it's like, oh, time's up. You know, it's all like, right. I, I want tools to help in my everyday life. And so it's, a, it's called heart work that I've been doing. And so it's really practicing energetics and visualization and, you know, blocking energy. But I feel like if you can see it, you can be it. You know, that's real. If I visualize, it happens for me. If I keep visualizing it, how this conversation is going to go, this contract's going to be, I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, I visualize it happening. And a lot of the times it does, but you can't just do it once. I work at it. I visualize and I, I manifest it.
0: So, so it's called heart work. It's called heart work. And is it something that you listen to or you're just taking the time to do to think about what you're wanting or is it like a meditation that you're listening to?
1: Well, no. So, so the heart work itself is more than that. It's like the heart work is it's, you know, kind of like around your inner child, figuring out like why I have anxiety, why I'm scared, like getting to the root of it. And so we're, we're trying to think about ways of putting myself back into the, those times that I'm scared so I can get through it. Because it's all fear based, right? Right. And so I feel like that the heart work is something separate, but through that, I've not only been visualizing, manifesting, working on my inner child, but I've also been learning how to block energy. So, for example, like I can close my eyes and if like I can see energy and I can push it out, this is going to sound really hokey, but I can push it out and and focus on pushing out. Like I can think about somebody that did something to me that day and push it out. And then I have, when I'm done pushing out the, everyone's energy, I have to seal it in. And so you got to seal it in. So no one can get in there, you know? And so you're just protecting your energy. Yeah. So, um, anyway, there's a lot of work. I just started it a few months back and it's Ryan's mom's friend and it's in Boulder and I go to them but eventually I can do it on zoom and stuff, but not for the first couple of sessions.
0: That's awesome. So any other tools that you're using at home or any other like tips when you were, when we were talking about boundaries that you think have been helpful?
1: I mean, I used to say yes to every single event and I think saying no, and it's okay to say no. And it doesn't matter if someone gets hurt about it or whatnot, you have to protect your energy and do what's best for you. And when I'm depleted, that's when my anxiety is high. That's when I'm not the best person for my job, for my husband, for myself, for all of it. And so you just have to know when, you know, they're going to forgive you. And so I think through the pandemic, that kind of gave a lot of people that courage to say no, yeah, um, because everyone was doing their own thing. And I think it's, it's spilled into how I live my life today.
0: I love it. There's nothing, Better than saying no. Like if there's no, that feels so freeing. It it does, and I'm like, no, you know, you right. feel good about it. You and feel empowered.
1: You feel empowered. You're taking back your your life, and you're you know, it's you got to do you and what's best for yourself to make anyone else happy.
0: I even think that that's a good like tip as it applies to something so simple as work and emails and phone calls, because I think for a lot of people, they play by their inbox or their phone calls and they're just like answering what comes through, right? So you're sitting at your inbox and if emails are coming through, you're answering them or your phone rings and you're like, stop what you're doing, but you're not really servicing yourself, which is needing to get done whatever is your bigger Rock that you ne- need to get done. And then oftentimes, like you never get to that thing for you because you're answering everyone else. So I think that that can really be applied, not just for, you know, making plans, but like really simple things like that or text messages. Like you don't have to answer it. Someone's coming into your time and your space when you don't have to answer that.
1: I love that. I think you're really good at that. I feel like I'm terrible at that. Like I am too accessible. And like you're saying, we're, we've all become too accessible because, yeah. and especially working from home, it's nonstop. Like, you know, most people, including myself, are like on 20 hours of the day or 18 hours of the day. Some people are taking advantage of working from home and they're not doing what they need to do. But <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> but anyway, I just think, yeah, we need, and that was part of me, like unplugging is something that I really need to work on because I don't want to be so accessible. I want to, Leave my phone somewhere and go and play tennis. And we got to play, by the way. Yeah, we
0: do. We do. All right. Well, on that, we're going to switch over to some rapid fire QA. Yeah, we do. What is the best business advice that you've received?
1: Okay. I think there's been a couple, but I would say maybe not business, but yeah, life and business, but things are impossible until they're not. And I think that just, we always think that we can't do something if there's these limit sets and there probably are people have set, you know, you, you only can contact me during the hours of nine and five or whatever it is, you know, it's like, but you have to just go after what you want. If you wanted that bad. And what brings it to my point, uh, another point and what my dad always says is you have to love what you do and you have to be committed to that. I mean, commitment is, is something that we definitely have to to rolling greens. And then when, when I was on the food truck, my, my girlfriend, Julie gave me this, this sign that said, keep calm and food truck on. And it's, such it's so great because it's like, just keep it moving. Keep things moving. You go, you don't want to get stagnant. You don't want to sit in the filth or whatever it is. You're, you know, if you had a bad day or whatever, keep it moving, keep it positive and light.
0: I love that. What is your mantra for success? your attitude
1: determines your altitude. So basically saying, you know, a positive mindset will get you far.
0: It's all about that positivity.
1: It's all about that positive.
0: Do you have any favorite books or podcasts, mentors for growth? You know, I, on the books, I love like, you know, Ray Dalio or
1: Malcolm Gladwell podcast. I haven't been listening lately, but I love Purely Elizabeth podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. Um, And then number two, I've always loved like how I built this with Guy. I mean, yeah. that, I used to listen to that. It was very helpful in my early days too. Um, I
0: feel, I agree, but I feel like for a long time, they haven't had that great of, Companies on or like ones that are more relevant i guess for us that for a long time i felt like every next episode was like yes this is someone i want to hear from
1: totally i feel the same way that's i have that's why i haven't listened in a long time but i should but and then i love oprah and goop and like you know mind body green those kind of ones
0: three random things that you're currently loving
1: white truffle butter (laughs) (laughs) does that count totally Uh, counts You know, through the pandemic, we started sewing. And so, you know, it kind of like pushed the limits that I'm, you know, a creator and I love to create. I love to design. So it sparked so many more business ideas and interests. Um, So what are you sewing? What? What are you sewing? I didn't know this. Well, (laughs) Ryan, we did our patio furniture to start. Like we Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Not patio furniture, but like the pillows for the patio and I I have some design ideas and concepts on clothing. So I've been working on that. And then, I don't know, I love to make pho. And I love anything pickled is great. Those are my three biggest things, four biggest things.
0: What do you want more of in your life?
1: Probably to our our point, I would say probably beach, more beach, vacation, and unplugging.
0: What do you want less of? (laughs)
1: technology and anxiety
0: what is a meal that you'll never forget okay this is actually gonna be a two-part question a meal that you will you'll never forget and then the second question is the best meal that ryan ever made
1: oh <gasps> no i can't okay let me i'll start with i'll start with where we get to because i have i have a couple if okay right. yeah i would say one of the best meals I've ever had was at the Four Seasons in New York City, not the hotel, the restaurant. And from the ambience to the architecture, the cuisine, but mostly at the end, the cotton candy that comes to your table, that was like an experience, right? And then obviously anything at Nobu Malibu is just like a dream and okay, you know, that's a given. And then I think about like when we used to travel to Italy, like the Cinque Terre by the water, like the p- fresh pastas and the pizza and anything in Capri, really. And then the if, oh man, Ryan's fate, oh, the best meal he's ever made me, that's hard because he cooks it in every day.
0: <laughs> I can tell you. Hey, if it was uh, like your birthday and Ryan was like, hey, it's your birthday. I'm going to make like your favorite best thing. What would it be? Oh my God. There's just too many,
1: but I would say love his Oh, I love his um like Korean barbecue beef, even though we're plant-based, but when we were on the food truck, we weren't. I've, had, I've had that at your house. It's amazing. You had that. Yes. The Korean barbecue beef. I freaking love his kimchi is so great. His eggplant. Oh my gosh. I love his chicken piccata with over some, you know, pasta, like angel hair pasta and capers with this lemon sauce. He makes a great um, eggplant. Parmesan is like nothing you've ever had. It's not fried it's sauteing um you know everything he makes is amazing I can't I, I have to be honest
0: yeah what but, is your favorite rolling greens moment over all the years oh man there's so many I would
1: probably say shark take was the most memorable that was like the crooks of it all like you know it's just it was where we were in that time period and all the stress and anxiety and and fear that you have because you don't know if you're even going to air and just getting up in front of the you know sharks and doing it. I just think that it's just a lesson that you know every day we love what we're doing with Rolling Greens and
0: it just keeps getting better and better and we're super excited for the future. What was I'm assuming the answer is like actually being on it was more exciting, but the level of excitement of recording it versus. Having the Zoom party and watching it air live, and having that whole different experience of it.
1: Yeah, I would say the the air, I mean, the the um, taping part was probably more scary, but I was also scared when we were when it was airing because we had no idea what they were going to show. And you kind of like oh, right. We blacked out when we we're in there, right? And then you come out. You're like twenty minutes later. You're like, oh my god, what just happened? No, no, sorry. We were in there for forty five minutes and they only showed 13 minutes of it. So you have no idea. And it was high and low, and you, you don't know what they're gonna show, so that was scary. But the fact that they aired us, because even when you go to film, there's a chance that they still won't air you. So the fact that they aired us was just kind of like, ah, oh, it's finally happening.
0: So they do only show 13 minutes, and I don't know if you wanna share this, but what they didn't air on, or they took out of the edit, and what they said at the beginning of you getting on.
1: Was it like the most that they said that I was like, yeah. Uh, Robert Herjavec said that I was like the, he was like, God, you're so impressive. You know, your numbers, you're the, one of the most impressive entrepreneurs I've ever seen in the tank, which is uh, amazing. It was great. I don't know why they didn't show that. <clears throat> they didn't show the part about our story, which was the whole point of what we were doing is like, that's a big part of us is our story and the food truck and all of this. So either either way, we were happy with how it went, but I think they could have showed a little bit more positivity.
0: All right, well, in closing, the last question rapid fire, what is your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey?
1: I, I've always protected my Sundays. And I don't know who said this, but they pick one day out of the month when they don't get out of bed. I I haven't done that yet, but I really want to do that. But I just protect my Sundays and it all has to be about enjoyable things for me, whether it's food or working out or sleeping all day, whatever I want to do. I don't want to be around other people. I just want to do me. And that's my Sundays. And I would say protect at least one day out of the week for yourself.
0: I love that tip. Well, in closing, Lindsay, what's next for you and Ryan and Roland Greens? Anything else that we haven't talked about?
1: Oh, man. You know, what's next for Roland Greens is excited about the new trajectory of our business and our team and our product lineup. Really excited about all the innovation to come over the next two to three years. And really what's next for me is what I kind of said. It's like, you know, I'm, I've i acknowledged and realized I'm a creator, so after Rolling Greens and the next little bit, I plan to create a little family. We want to have kids and, you know, I have dreams of doing real estate, you know, investing in real estate and designing homes with Ryan. That's always been a a deal for him as well. And just creating more businesses
0: together and babies. Love it. Well, Lizzie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun. I'll see you at Sushi later. Yay,
1: so much fun. I'm so proud of you. And thanks for having me. I'm super honored. Thank you, Liz.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.